the musical stylings, of course, of Lynn. Steal my sunshine, bringing us back for hour number three, which is brought to us by Roof Tech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years. Call Josh Tucker at Roof Tech for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245. They guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. So I, I just I know that was a lengthy cut there at the end of last hour. <laughs> Let Miguel Chavis do the heavy broadcasting lifting for us this morning, Connor. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby, by the way, back with you. We call this the Plank Show, hour number three. But I, I wanted to play that for those that missed it last week because, again, it's just not lip service with Miguel Chavis, with Todd Bates, with Brent Finables. It's genuine with those guys building relationships. They care about it. It's important to them. And they're fired up about it. Well, and they're all bought in, too. I also like listening to Brandon Hall at that uh, press conference, too. You know what? He's one of the assistant coaches that I've not sat down and listened to the entirety of Brandon Hall. The bits and pieces, I mean, we had, I don't know if you know this, Connor, we had like eight assistant coaches. <laughs> well, I saw it took a while for them to get on the podium, too. All the media was waiting a long time for the coaches to get on. I did uh, enjoy the the bits and pieces that I've heard of new safeties coach Brandon Hall. And who knows? Maybe that will be my homework for tomorrow. Diving through the Brandon Hall media availability from last week as well. The genuine excitement to get to know players, to get to know families, to have the background in pastoral ministry and care about your players beyond just the game of football. You hope, right? You hope. I mean, I think in any walk of life, it's not always the case, and certain businesses, of course, are different than others. Look, on Wall Street, okay, pretty cutthroat, right? I I don't know if uh, there's a lot of executives that – care about underling employees necessarily on Wall Street. All due respect to our Wall Street friends out there listening, maybe I'm incorrect. I don't know. I don't speak from experience on that subject. That was just me trying to throw out an example, a, a for instance. You hope, though, that professionally, any walk of life, right, your your boss or your coworkers, you want it to be a professional work environment. You, you want to know that hopefully the people you're working with on some level care about you a little bit, right? Yeah, not just football, just the other, other things aside for just being a man and growing men at OU. So my heart of hearts, when I think of great coaches, I think, okay, not only are they terrific X's and O's guys or, or gals, but – they they genuinely care about their players, about the support staff within the program. But probably a more real, realistic thought is that not every coach is totally wired that way. That when Brent Venable sits up there and talks to us about, this is, gosh, why am I blanking here? The phrasing that he uses 
it's it's going to be about people. I've I've totally lost the wording that Coach Venables uses, but you catch my drift. That it's not just about production on the football field. It's about serving your hearts, not your talents. That's that's true here with Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates too. So I find it pretty endearing that this coaching staff has got that going for them. I like this too. I, I Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates. That's what I. Those two coaches, their availabilities is what I wrote on yesterday over at Sooners Wire, and I kind of kind of enjoyed just the way that Miguel Chavis started off his media availability too with the way that he described the way that he described the excitement to be an assistant coach. Yeah, you've been an off the field coach for a while, defensive player development type role and, and have seen guys. I mean, the 2019 NFL draft for Clemson was just insanity. Three guys in the top 17 overall picks off that defensive line. Austin Bryant, another guy in the fourth round of the Detroit Lions in that draft. It was an amazing draft for Clemson for defensive linemen, and they've landed big defensive linemen recruits since. Brian Breesey was the top overall defensive line player in the, I think, 2020 class, if I'm right on that, and several others along the way. So they've Surprise! Clemson has had some really talented players defensively. You folks know this. But I I, I love this. Hey, I, I've been in an off-the-field role. But, man, it's time. I want my shot, right? I want my crack at it. Here was Miguel Chavis. Um, just excitement more than anything. I, I don't think anybody has more pressure. Um, I feel anybody's pressure on, than, than my own pressure that I, that I put on myself. But just excitement. I've been pre- prepared for this opportunity for a long time. Uh, you know, played football under Coach Sweeney at Clemson and was in the NFL with the Steelers and the Chiefs long enough to have a cup of coffee. And um, for the past five years, I've been in the, uh, the Brent Venable School of Defense and was coached by a couple of legends and Chris Rump and Dan Brooks. I got to work very closely with Todd Bates. And, you know, my first year, I had to learn what the heck Coach V was just saying uh, as a support staff person. And then by year, you know, three, I had a pretty good grasp of the defense. By year four, I was, I was, I felt like a lion in a cage. I was. Re- that was the quote right there, that that I wanted to get to. Felt like a lion in a cage. Okay, continue, Miguel. Sorry to interrupt. So turned out some job opportunities and was patient, and um, it's had great counsel, man, from from Coach Sweeney and. And other people in my life that said, man, that's not the one. Just wait. That's not the one. Just wait. And, um, and, and it was God's perfect timing. You know, and so when Coach V said, uh, will, you, will you go with me, um, it didn't take me long to, to say yes. And so the transition has been great. You know, we love Norman. I have a wife of 10 years, June 29th. And we have four kids, six and under, so please pray for us. Um, but, man, we've, we've been really pleasantly surprised. You know, the only thing I knew about Oklahoma was that they won a lot of games and everything Coach V said about them. And so we came out here um, just with excitement, ready to get going. But it's, it's been great so far. That's another common theme with this group. I, I, I don't know why I hadn't put these two pieces of yarn, connected these dots together here. But Brent Venables, okay, Connor, 
what has been the prevailing narrative around Brent Vittables for the past decade? The way his defense performs and that, you know, that championship culture that he's been part of. Leading the nation, tackles for loss and sacks, right? His defense is arguably the best defense naturally. Oklahoma fans right now are certainly going to make that argument. And no doubt they've been right there attacking defense. But what, what I was going for is this, Connor. He doesn't care to be a head coach, right? Doesn't care to be a head coach. Heard that a million times. Well, and he's an old school guy, too, which he's not all about, like, the, you know, you've seen, like, the hype videos and all that. When he talks, it's for real out of Venables. No doubt. Even though Oklahoma's been tossing out some fire social media content on the at OU football, at OU underscore football. For those of you that have any sort of trouble finding the OU Twitter feed out there, there was this thought that Brent Venables didn't want to be a head coach, right? But in actuality, he was just, it turned out, biding his time for the perfect opportunity to be a head football coach. And he told you as much in his initial introductory celebration over there inside the Everest Center that, hey, I had had an offer from Auburn, said no turned it down okay same story here with Miguel Chavez so you've got a head football coach now in Brent Venables and your new defensive ends coach in Miguel Chavez similar in the way that they want to build relationships with their players beyond just the game of football that's now a a very serious common theme and positive theme for Oklahoma football. But there's also that similarity between the two that, I mean, they could have taken a job to take a job. Not Now, Venables, of course, was the nation's highest paid assistant coach, Connor. So, okay, it's easier to say no thanks to a head coaching opportunity just to take a head coaching opportunity. But for Miguel Chavis, man, you're, you're in an off-the-field development type role. You can understand where a guy would would want to climb that ladder, but to be patient, to wait for the right opportunity. That, that's not everybody that's doing that in the coaching business. Well, and he's been um, learning behind Venables this whole time, so he just wants to stick with him. Same with Todd Bates. They're all learning behind Coach Sweeney at Clemson. So, hey, might as well stick together and do that at OU. Might as well. Might as well stick together. Okay, one more quick cut before we take our first T.O. of hour number three. I thought this was great. You you talk about what does Miguel Chavis add to this Oklahoma staff. Well, it's what he was able to do, and and not just Miguel Chavis, but listen, he was a big, big part of luring and landing a bunch of these players to sign with Oklahoma late. You think of all the late flips that Oklahoma had in this signing class. Grayson Halton, R. Mason Thomas, Alton Tarper, Cavante Henry. Miguel Chavis heavily involved in each of those late flips for Oklahoma. And here was Miguel Chavis talking about becoming a full-time assistant coach and getting the chance to get out on the recruiting trails and what that has been like for him. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, awesome. Like, I felt like I was cheating in life. Like, 
like even right now, man, being up here, like this is unbelievable. You know what I mean? And uh, just because it doesn't feel like work. It's, it's what I love doing. I think recruiting, when it comes down to it, is really about relationship building and connecting. I think it's about authenticity. And I think you have to do a good job of, if you want to do it this way, the way that I'm talking about, that you have to be okay with not getting a guy that, that you don't fit or that he doesn't fit your institution or your program. And so, but fundamentally, I think recruiting is connecting. And so, man, I've, I've just been very, very blessed to have uh, people in my life to show me and teach me how to connect with people. And I care about people. I love people. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, got here and, and got all cleared by compliance and all the rest. And they threw me an OU shirt on and some Jordans, and I went on the road. And uh, I think I texted my wife and took pictures of everything. Um, and But it was amazing. We were able to get um, Alton Tarber. Uh, can't wait to get him. Uh, from Deerfield Beach, uh, R. Mason Thomas, and Ahmad Moten, we almost got him uh, from uh, Cardinal Gibbons. Great program, Coach Dubach running there at Cardinal Gibbons. And so um, it, it, it was awesome. Love it. You, you believe that. When he says he enjoys Diggs recruiting, this staff, man, I'm telling you. You can sense why he's such a good recruiter, too, and one of those bright young minds in college football. It's going to be now, fun, now, now it's his time to shine, yeah, but OU. It's going to be fun to see what happens for Miguel Chavis. He already, Connor, is off to a great start. I mean, he's shown his recruiting chops, and deservedly, I forget who wrote the story, but one of the on-three writers had Miguel Chavis as one of his top ten recruiters for the 2022 cycle, and listen – Again, Miguel Chavis was a big part of flipping Grayson Halton, R. Mason Thomas, Alton Tarber, Cavante Henry. And when you when Venables takes a chance and hires an assistant coach in Miguel Chavis to be your new defensive ends coach, and oh, by the way, you know, Jamar Kane had been doing a pretty good job of that in terms of the the recruiting and what he was bringing to the table. You bring somebody in that's that's green around the gills, doesn't have experience, and then boom, right off the bat, goes out and has that type of close in a situation where Oklahoma's, I mean, come on, it, it's the midst of transition around here, and he goes and delivers that. He's got those good recruiting pitches. And those players also know, too, that, hey, if I go to OU, I also get to play defense under Brent Venables. I'm excited about what the future looks like with Miguel Chavis. Todd Bates as well. All right. I'll let you be you be the deciding factor here, Connor. Would you like to hear from some Todd Bates this morning? Or do we kick it around about Oklahoma basketball? Do we we've we've got some text line messages. We'll probably hit those first, but you be the judge. What would you like to do next right here on the Plank Show? We can do a little bit of both, but yeah, we can pair you. No, <laughs> no riding, no riding the fence this morning. You have to pick one: Todd Bates or OU basketball. I say we get into some OU basketball since we have it. Ah, <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gents. We're also do break numero uno of hour number three. It's brought to us by Rooftech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for thirty years. Call Josh Tucker at Rooftech for all of your roofing needs. Four zero five. 703-4245 where 
They guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. Your texts coming up next on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. And you heard it from the man himself. Connor says, we're talking hoops next right here. Keep it locked in. It's the Plank Show on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Back with you, final hour. It's the Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Josh Elmer. Alongside Connor Pasby this morning. Connor, how are you, my friend? Doing just fine, Josh. Still chugging along. Hour number three, just as upbeat and energetic, ladies and gentlemen, as hour number one. How about that? Give it up for Connor, everybody. All right. Appreciate the applause. <laughs> Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405 651 3439. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's right. That's right. Keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, they did. If I'm the backup, I'm shopping around. Yeah? Um, Is that with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, in in regards to Aaron Rodgers. We were talking about A-Rodg. And the big big news of the day nationally is, of course, Aaron Rodgers getting a four-year, $200 million deal. Jordan Love... I, I don't know if he could walk in and pound his fist on the table and say, may, trade me may now. Not, may not be seeing the field for quite a while. <laughs> the, yes, this text. This is an important one. This is exactly what I was trying to think of. Thank you for sending this. Relational, not transactional. When I had my massive brain fart last segment, that was what I was trying to think of. Thank you for sending that in. I genuinely much appreciate it. We're working on the grammar. And then what's the third one right there? Yeah, click on that. What will fans want more this year? High-scoring games by the offense or the defense keeping teams below 21 points a game? Defense. Defense, no doubt. Offense, I mean, look, folks expect Oklahoma to be plenty potent offensively. Dylan Gabriel's thrown for over 8,000 yards in his career, 70 touchdowns in his career. Folks have the expectation that OU – is going to continue to be Oklahoma. They're going to put points on the board. And if you asked me, Connor, go ahead and ask me. Who who are you most excited about for the spring game? Most excited to watch? Yeah. Uh, I'll have to go with Dylan Gabriel. Just they, see, see him okay. center. See, so like an offensive player or two might come to mind. But Kobe, was, Kobe McKenzie on the defensive end, I'm excited to watch he, that. Here's what I was going to say back to that question would be, running back Javante Barnes is an exciting player for the spring game right you want to see what the running back position looks like I think Oklahoma with both Gray and Major and now the addition of two talented freshmen though Sawchuck's not going to be on campus until the fall that's why I say Barnes for the spring game with the addition of those two talented freshmen you've got electricity in your backfield playmakers Marvin Mims one of the best wide receivers in college football I think Theo Weiss is set for a massive, massive bounce-back season. Jaleel Farouk, to me, showcased his ability to potentially this season turn into, I don't know if he's going to be, I don't know if you can say he's going to be a star next season with Oklahoma because Lebby, if you look back at his offenses, especially the last several seasons at Ole Miss, that number one wide receiver, I mean, it is like 70-plus receptions guaranteed so Mims is going to get the football thrown his way a bunch you would think by Gabriel and in this levy offense so 
But I like Jalil Farouk. I think he showed in the Valero Alamo Bowl that there's definitely a ton of potential there for him. Well, he came out of nowhere on a big stage, too, in the Alamo Bowl. I think most fans like didn't really hear much about Farouk till the Alamo Bowl happened. So offensive line returnees, Chris Murray at right guard, Anton Harrison, right, left tackle, Andrew Rame at center. They've added McCade Matayer from Cal, and he made, what, 28 starts, I think it is, over three seasons at Cal. Still want to see what the offensive line looks like, but all of I say all of this to respond again to the Air Comfort Solutions text line question, which was, what will fans want more this year, high-scoring games by the offense or the defense keeping teams below 21 points a game? With all of that that we've discussed here offensively, OU, I think, if the offensive line can come together, you should feel confident that if it's not Kyler Murray leading the offense for Oklahoma, if it's not you know final season Baker Mayfield 2017 Oklahoma offense, OU is going to be one of the best offenses nationally. You should have the expectation, absolutely, for Oklahoma to be a top 10 offense this season, potentially top five. That's been the track record for Jeff Lebby. That's been the track record of the University of Oklahoma. So I'm not super concerned with that side of the football. I think it will come together so long as, again, the the offensive line comes into place. To answer your question, yeah, it's what's going to happen defensively for OU. Fans just want to see stops on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, in the past, we've seen it, you know, every once in a while, but they want to see it on a gamely basis. They want to see OU hit some people, man. They want to see defense be a calling card of this program. You want to, as a fan, have the confidence. The end of the here's the greatest example from last season, right? The opening game. The opening game versus Tulane. Tulane gets the football back late. Scale of 1 to 10. How confident were you that OU was genu- was going to get a stop there late and win that football game? I was honestly about a 3 or 4. You thought Not Tulane very- <laughs> was going to drive down and win the game. I also right? did. The way the way things were turning around in that fourth quarter wasn't look wasn't looking promising. OU fans are over that. That needs to be a thing of the past. In, in- OU cannot play a game where at home versus Tulane, they're driving and you're legitimately concerned that the Green Wave's about to walk you off in Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. That is embarrassing. That cannot be the case moving forward for Oklahoma defensively. So, yes, (laughs) again, to answer that question, it's got to be excitement for the defense and keeping teams below 21 points a game. Well, and then the front seven disrupting plays, that's what, I mean, I miss seeing over the past years, just disrupting the quarterback and taking him out of the rhythm. And what's the calling card that we've been talking about this morning in the past however many months since Venables was hired? TFLs, sacks, that's what the Venables defense looks like. It's aggressive. It's attacking. So, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that the expectation from fans – is just that. That's what you're going to see is a big-time, big-time uptick defensively. I don't know if it's fair to – I don't know what the expectation should be for 
the defensive side of the football entering this season. You know, for me, though, I expect really, really good defense in the Big 12 Conference. I'm not necessarily expecting Oklahoma to go hold somebody to 20 points in the college football playoff en route to a national championship win this season. I mean, to me, that's probably pie in the sky. I'm sure if and when we get to that point, I'll be expecting Oklahoma to play great defensively. I'll be all the way bought in. Hook, line, and sinker, I'll fall for it again, Oklahoma on the big stage. But if you're today projecting this thing and being realistic about it, it's probably – I want to see improved defensive play. I'm trying to have realistic expectations for that. So what would that look like? I don't think it's crazy to say, hey, next season I want to see OU have the number one scoring defense again in the Big 12. Lead the league in sacks and TFLs. Look like a Brent Venables defense. Well, then takeaways, too. A lot of fans like seeing takeaways. But OU has a great opportunity in the Big 12 this upcoming year because, I mean, there's not a lot of good offenses in the Big 12. We saw that a little bit last year so. I mean, this is a great opportunity to play well on the defensive side of the ball. As can happen, Connor. I've gotten totally carried away. That's a good question, though. I, I, that was a good submission. I just took that thing and ran with it. We we still owe you some thoughts on OU basketball. Obviously, big game, big game Excuse me, coming up on Thursday, 6 o'clock versus Baylor. Let's, let's discuss this next. I've got some thoughts on this game what it means for Oklahoma. I mean, look, we all know OU's got to have this game to get into the NCAA tournament. But let's kick that around next. We we always have our top five stories of the day. Here's my plan. L- let me tell you, I'll, I'll peel the curtain back. This is how this thing is going to work the rest of the way forward, all right? Complete honesty with you all. Top five stories of the day. We're going to turn that into this morning. Three things we've missed or five things we've missed, and we'll hit that, our final segment, before we get out the door. Still time for you, though, if you want to hop in here, you have a thought on anything Oklahoma-related this morning. Law Offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 329-9000. That's the number to call. Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's yours as well, 405-651-3439. Talking OU hoops next. Keep it here. Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. You know what? This Phil Mickelson thing. We need to just it needs to be over. Are you kidding me? Phil just just play in the players. Who cares? I mean, okay, so <laughs> the comment about Saudi wasn't great. It's been a messy sequence of events, but just get it over with. Go go back out on the tour and let's put this thing behind everybody. Phil hasn't really been playing well either, hasn't he? No, but, I mean, come on. He should be playing in the Players' Championship. Stupid that he's not. Here's Jay Monahan making some big statement about it. So, teased it before the break. We're running out of time here on the Plank Show. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby with you. Hour number three of the Plank Show brought to us by Roof Tech of Oklahoma. The game on Thursday. Oklahoma-Baylor, I'm not sure if it's enough for the Sooners to to get an at-large bid just by beating Baylor. They're going to have a chance, though, if they beat Baylor. They, they, they would be a bubble team. I think to feel real safe, you need to. 
beat Baylor, beat either the winner of Iowa State, Texas Tech. I mean, it'd be better if it's Texas Tech because that win's going to do a heck of a lot more for you. If you beat both Baylor and Texas Tech, you're in, no no doubt. I think if you beat Baylor and then take Texas Tech to the wire and say lose a close one, I mean, there's some thoughts to getting in. Yeah, well, you, you would just, leave it's it. Just, it's just interesting. On Joe Lenardi's like, first four out and next four out, OU's not on either one. So it'll, it matters if they beat Baylor and maybe OU like sneaks into those first four out. Yeah, I, I know. And I just wonder how much they can climb in those two little subsections that he has just with the win over Baylor. I mean, is, is there any chance that they can jump from all the way, not even in the next four out, to in his field by beating Baylor? They need to, they need some of those first four out teams to lose and not get hot in the conference tourney. So, what does Oklahoma need to have happen to beat Baylor? It's going to have to be another night where Yamoja Gibson shoots well, right? I mean, Mo needs to play well again. We've seen that really twice this season: Texas Tech and Kansas State, where in conference Mo just had it cooking. I think you need that again. You need. Tanner Groves, your best players are going to have to play really well if you're going to beat Baylor. And then, man, you're going to have to defend your tail off. The little stuff, rebounding needs to be great. You can't, And you can't go on those scoring droughts, which we've seen OU do a handful of times. Baylor's going to punch you. You just got to be able to punch back. What, what I've gone back and forth with, Connor, is I just don't think this season can be – you can't call it a success if you don't go to the NCAA tournament. I just – you're laying the foundation. I get that. It's year one for Porter Moser. And by no means, if they miss the tournament, am I out on the Moser era or not excited about what the future looks like. I I have full trust in Coach Moser and in the staff that he has here in Norman. I think they're going to get great players to the University of Oklahoma moving forward. And I think that he's going to have this program eventually start winning in a big, big way. Well, but- he had he had three guys to work with who played a lot of basketball for for OU the year before, so he's not working with you know as much as he wants. So after the season, he'll be able to you know go recruit his guys. I just though there's no way that I can wrap my head around the idea that this season is successful if you miss out of the NCAA tournament. That was. That was the line, right? That was the bar. Make the NCAA tournament. Okay, great. Hey, what a fantastic first year for Porter Moser. Look what he did. He brought all these transfers together, and he made it work well enough to where they're going to the dance. And especially after, again, the way the start of the season played out, what is it with Oklahoma basketball starting seasons well in the non-conference? Listen, Arkansas and Florida – are good basketball teams. They are. Florida, right there on the bubble. Arkansas, they're one of the top seeds going into the dance. They've righted their season. Looked like for a little bit maybe it was going off the rails for Arkansas, but they've righted it. They're clearly one of the best teams in the SEC. OU spanked them around in the BOK Center. What the heck happened in some of these games for OU? Well, we saw saw that in Trey Young's year, too, starting off hot and then not be able to keep that up in the second half of the year. But 
Man, yeah, they got a great opportunity against Baylor, who, I mean, I would rather play Kansas, but Baylor, Baylor's hot right now, five in a row, and they're they're on that stretch of kind of figuring themselves out, but they have figured it out. There now. is a part of you that feels weird saying that in a sense, right? Kansas is the number one seed. Of course, Kansas has been the preeminent force in this conference for years and years, but Baylor's the team coming off a national championship that also shared for the conference crown. And I tend to agree with you. We've seen Oklahoma play Kansas close twice. And it's not like Kansas, I mean, save for their game in what, Allen Fieldhouse versus Baylor? They say everybody plays one great game and one really, really bad game. And the answer to my question earlier this segment about what the heck happened versus Arkansas and then some of these other games later, it's probably that, right, that that was OU's great game this season versus a really, really good Arkansas team. It was either that game or Texas Tech, right? One of the two. Well, then um, for Kansas, I mean, holding down Abachi puts you in a great position to win. Against Baylor, you got multiple threats who can hurt you with Meyer, Flagler, you know, guys like that, that anyone can get hot for Baylor. For Kansas, if you hold down Abaji, I mean, you can let other guys beat you. I want to see it happen, man. I hope they can find a way to beat Baylor. I'm not going to pick it. Can't pick it. Baylor's too good. I do think that Baylor has motivation in this tournament, right? They shared the conference crown with Kansas. They're not the number one seed in this tournament. They're trying to lock down a, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And I don't know. It, it it would be interesting to get a poll of NCAA basketball coaches that would – and maybe this, this – I'm probably just misremembering or not remembering at all. This, this has probably been done before where they've anonymously asked NCAA coaches the importance of conference tournaments and, you know, whatever the percentages are where a coach is like, yeah, I mean, you know – if it's like a Power 5 league coach is like, probably tell you, eh, you know, if we've got an NCAA tournament bid we're locked up, not not altogether super important. And then, you know, other coaches strongly, strongly believe, hey, the, the conference tournament's very, very important. be interesting to see well, either, what that either, looks like. Either you're fighting for a one or two seed or a team that's, you know, trying to get a win to get in the NCAA March Madness. But for both Kansas and Baylor, it's not like those two have one seeds locked up right now. They don't. And recruiting, I would that's gotta be that's gotta be an important recruiting tool to use. How many one seeds we've had? I mean, both of those teams want to be one seeds. So Baylor's gonna be motivated in this game. You're you're not, I don't think, going to get just Baylor sleepwalking through it, so you got to go earn this thing up there in the Big 12 tournament. Hope it happens. OU's given itself at least a puncher's chance by winning these final three games versus Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and, of course, on the road. Finally, unbelievable, they win at K-State. Finally, a decade later, they win there. Giving themselves a chance to earn an at-large bid, but, you know, you've got your work still cut out for you. Win over Baylor, maybe you're in. Probably you need another one over over Texas Tech. And I wonder, too, if I, Iowa State would be a good win for OU in the Big 12 tournament. If you beat both Baylor and Iowa State, you should be in the dance. Well, especially if Iowa State, uh, yeah, obviously upsets Texas. I mean, I, Texas I'm, Tech. 
I'm just thinking though, Connor, like if you beat Baylor and then Iowa State upsets Texas Tech and you beat Iowa State and you're in the Big 12 championship game, surely that's enough to earn you an at-large bid. But, I mean, the Texas Tech win would be a heck of a lot better than the Iowa State win. So would it be bad news for Oklahoma if Iowa State pulls the upset there? I, I don't know. All right, final T.O. Josh Helmer, Connor Pasby here with you. Put a, the bow tie on this thing. We always do the top five stories of the day. Let's do three things we missed before we get out of here. We'll, we'll substitute the top stories of the day. Three things we missed. Closing up the Plank Show, Josh Elmer, alongside Connor Pasby. One more segment to go before we hand it off to Steelman and Thune at noon. Right here, it's the uh, Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Running out of time, running out of real estate. It's the Plank Show. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. It's been a fun Tuesday. Really appreciate Oklahoma head women's gymnastics coach K.J. Kindler joining the show today. Coach is awesome. Her team, obviously, is awesome as well. You know, and the one thing I screwed up, Connor, as we close the show with three things we missed, I'll add a bonus to the things that we missed today. This in place of our top five stories of the day, which, of course, is always brought to us by Roof Tech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years. Call Josh Tucker at Roof Tech for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245, where they guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. I totally screwed up. I didn't ask Coach about earning the number one ranking, did I? Yeah, do that, Josh. Come on now. Unbelievable. She and I were talking about that off the air, and I, I totally skipped over that. And my, I had it in my notes, and I didn't ask her about it. So, Plank, if you're, for any reason, you know, haven't hit the the bird yet and flown out to Hawaii, if for some reason you're listening to this, jot that down into your notes for Oklahoma women's gymnastics that next week we got to ask KJ about that, assuming things uh, go according to plan and the Sooners are still number one next Tuesday. I can't believe I screwed that up and didn't ask Coach. Unbelievable. What a failure. What a failure. Okay, so a couple of things we missed before we get out of here. <laughs> I, I – I'll spare you the audio clip. Steely probably will play it at some point, maybe for you coming up next. Russell Westbrook, Connor says no more. He will he will not allow people to shame his family name. He's done with the Westbrook nickname. No more. It's becoming a mess in L.A. now. Just it's, Ru- Russ not really fitting in, and you know AD obviously call him Street Clothes Davis. He's never in, so they, they're Davis. never. There's not much games where they're all together and playing. All right, you get to you, – you got the next story that we missed. Got Calvin Ridley get involved with some gambling issues. He was gambling on some games this past year while he was injured. During the season, he was betting on the Falcons, his own team, and then just other games throughout the season. Suspended for the entirety of next season. You know, he was gambling while he was injured – I get it. It's the letter of the law, right? You will not bet on the game of football. The the integrity, when you potentially jeopardize it or compromise it by wagering on the game as one of the game's players, I can see why the NFL would have the hard line here. I wish, I, I wish it wasn't the whole season for him, but, you know, look, trying to make an example out of a guy, clearly. I guess, I guess he got bored during his – 
the injury to sitting out and watching. But it's, I mean, it's not like a Pete Rose thing, just betting while he's playing. Okay, the real quickly text line before we get out of here. What do we got? How likely is it for the women's basketball team to win the Big Twelve tourney? I think they've they've got a good chance. Baylor will be the favorite. I'd probably say, I don't know, 30% chance. They should have an outdoor basketball game at Gaylord Stadium once a year. Hey. That would be exciting. I'm all in. That sounds awesome. Okay, we're out of time. We're right up against it. So we will shuffle on out of here. Appreciate uh, Coach K.J. Kidler for joining us. For Connor, I'm Josh saying, hey. That's it for the Plank Show. Keep it locked in, though, right here on The Ref. Steel Man and Thune at noon right here. Coming up next.